everybody, this is Daniel Patrick. This is episode number 205 of the Mandolin's A Bigger Podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. It's also brought to you in part by Acoustic Disc, where if you go to Acoustic Disc's website and sign up for their email list once a week, they send you a treat of the week. That's right, a song from the incredible Acoustic Disc catalog is sent to you via email for free. That place is also the home of David Grisman's and Danny Barnes' podcast, Acoustic Encounters, as well as a ton of David's incredible music. So head over to Acoustic Disc today. How's everybody doing? Hope you're doing good. I had a fun day yesterday. I, I did this interview with Joe Walsh yesterday. And then yesterday evening, I was lucky enough to go see Watch House, the duo, and uh, Tatiana Hargraves and Allison DeGroot were the opening act. And man, that the the duo, just what if you get a chance to see this tour, I don't know how many dates are left. I think it's nearing the end. It was just absolutely incredible. Andrew played an A mandolin uh, for this one. He brought out a nugget, and um, I was super lucky to hang out with Andrew and Emily afterwards in the green room for a little bit. And, and uh, Andrew and I got to pick some mandolin together, and I played his February 18 lore, and he played the nugget. And it was just, it was, what a great day. And I kind of made up for, I was actually supposed to be in Nashville. I mentioned that last episode to uh, finish the last two songs I was recording. But unfortunately, due to an illness, I uh, wasn't able to make the trip. My wife was sick and I didn't want to leave her here. So unfortunately, I have to postpone it. But it looks like that will be taking place in January. And something, um, I had to cancel that. But I, I have to tell you about a great phone call I had when I talk about this. When I talk about this project with one of the people who was participating, it was a pleasant surprise. So anyway, hope everyone else is doing well. Hope you had a happy Turkey Day. If you celebrate uh, the new Mr. Sun album, uh, Mr. Sun plays Duke Ellington's Nutcracker Suite is out today. It's uh, December 1st. It's incredible. And it is just... I mean, they, they're one of my favorite bands, obviously. Joe's one of my favorite players, but you have to listen to this. It is really mind-bending. It's available on all these streaming sites, but even more importantly, it's available on Bandcamp. I have a link below where you can uh, click that and go and buy it uh, right from the record label. It's always the best way to support your artists. They also have, I believe I mentioned this a few episodes ago, but I'll leave a link again. They have these killer nutcracker ornaments and it has the fellows from Mr. Sun as nutcrackers and they are awesome looking so those are available for sale as well I know Joe was mailing out a bunch yesterday but you can it's not too late to get some so let's get into the ads real quick here everybody Peghead Nation Joe's got a ton of courses on Peghead Nation with the streaming video courses in mandolin guitar banjo fiddle dobro ukulele and bass you can learn bluegrass old time and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in roots music they have the great lineup of mandolin instructors, Sharon Gilchrist, I mentioned Joe K. Walsh, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Fibus, Chad Manning, and Ian Curry from beginning to advanced. It has it all. Courses include high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab, play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play. Best part about it, of course, join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now and get your first month for free. Just go to pegheadnation.com, use the promo code MANDOLINBEER, all one word, at Check out Northfield Mandolins. Let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com or download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. Ear Trumpet Labs. Well, that'd make a fantastic gift for the mandolin lover in your world. 
Ear Trumpet Labs hand-built microphones in Portland, Oregon. Their mics are beautifully designed. They have great feedback rejection for live use and the most natural tone you'll find for acoustic instruments. Check them out at eartrumpetlabs.com today. Pava Mandolins, dedicated to building for the impassioned player out of Austin, Texas. Tone Slabs, get yourself a slab of tone. That's right, Tone Slabs has all the popular shapes. They can make them any way you want them. They can engrave things in them. They can put the shapes, the uh, the the size you want as far as thickness, bevels, no bevels, speed bevels. They've got all the bevels. And uh, I love my Tone Slab. I haven't played anything since then. And I'm going to be having some of the Mandolins and Beer's signature ones to sell on my website here, hopefully in the next couple weeks. So I'm excited about that. It's got the uh, logo on one side and it has got my signature, which is crazy, on the other side. And uh, I love it. It's kind of a um, kind of a takeoff on what CJ Lewandowski was using, the 07 um, but I had them round one of the tips up even even more. So then when I play like dog style stuff or stuff that has a lot of tremolo, I've got a more rounded corner on there. So I love it. And I think you'll love yours too. Just go to toneslabs.com. Today in Elderly Instruments, my award-winning friends in Michigan. Elderly Instruments is your trusted source for new used and vintage fretted and stringed instruments. For the experience to the beginner player, their vast selection of mandolins, guitars, banjos, ukuleles, and did I say mandolins? Includes all of the accessories and books to go with them. All instruments are inspected and set up for easy playability, and their down-to-earth and knowledgeable staff are there to help. They're in their 51st year, they're family-owned and operated, they ship worldwide, and you can visit them anytime, as I do, at elderly.com. All right, everybody, thanks so much for listening once again. Please follow me on the Facebook and the Instagram. Actually, I'm going to go there in a moment in um, post. I'm going to try and figure out my three favorite albums this year. I want to see what everybody else was listening to as well. It's going to be hard to break down, but it'll be interesting to see what everybody's been listening to. So, all right, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Once again, go to the links below and buy this album, the um, app, Time Guru. Joe Walsh mentions the app Time Guru for his what he does for 10 minutes a day right now and what he's working on. So in case you missed that, that's there. And I'll see if I can't find a link for that, too. All right. Y'all have yourselves a fantastic week. Cheers, everybody. Now it is my pleasure and always just a great pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Joe K. Walsh. Joe, how's it going, buddy? It's great to be back with you. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, it's always a pleasure. I, I have as much fun talking with you before we start as when we start. So, <laughs> likewise, likewise. So we're talking about this brand new album, which is Mr. Sun Plays Ellington's. Am I going to get, I'm, I should probably look at the title and get this exactly proper. It's It's a long title and... I've had to do the same thing for myself, actually. (laughs) So, Mr. Sun plays Duke Ellington's Nutcracker Suite. That's the one. That's the one. So, (laughs) my first question is, how did this all come about? Because this has to have been a massive undertaking. 
It, yeah, I think it came about partially because we were unaware of how massive <laughs> the undertaking was going to be. Um, and I think, like, in retrospect, the way Daryl describes it actually kind of strikes a chord with me, which is that, um, like, I think we see some 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 commonalities with that. And, 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 and I don't mean, like, we're, like, the next Duke Ellington by any means. That's not what I mean. But, like, the playfulness and the willingness to take risks and... and uh, take this familiar music and then see what it sounds like if we were ourselves playing it. That, that I think that's a that's what we saw in the Duke Ellington project, and 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 that kind of leapt out as aspects that we see in ourselves. What was the initial seed to even even attempt this particular recording? Um, so I was making dinner and just listening to that. Uh, that beautiful recording of the Duke Ellington big band. Um, and just, just being blown away with the playful, like it's that beautiful combination of, uh, ambitious and playful, which I, I think is, is at the core of what Mr. Sun does. And, and, and just felt like, wow, this is a beautiful recording. I could see us doing this or at least trying and seeing what it would sound like. And, and that's one of the beautiful things about Mr. Sun is that so many things feel possible and, and they don't always work, of course, but, we're all willing to try things and, and and I really appreciate that about that band. It's so cool about that. One of the things that this album got me thinking about is like when I listen to other genres of music driving around or whatever, like rock music particular, because that's kind of what my background was growing up in the Midwest. You know, everybody I knew listened to rock music. My dad was a rock DJ for a little bit. And in rock bands, it always seems like there was like maybe one or two really good players and then you know what I mean and then the rest were like guys that were you know good you know but even then they had like you know you'd read about like well we had to get a studio drummer in because well this drummer's oh, right. a fun guy to hang out with he's not a great drummer in the studio but in in, in this band and in a lot of bands in this acoustic music genre like Tony Rice unit and stuff everybody's really really good like the level of uh ability on each player on this recording in your band is so phenomenal and each person stands out in multiple tracks which is oh, another cool. great thing well i think also i mean i appreciate what you're saying and that's very kind also i think like we are good at recognizing each other's strengths and and figuring out how to um you know emphasize those and 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 then not you know, we'd mostly try and avoid <laughs> emphasizing our weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? I'm pretty sure everybody who's an expert at what they do does the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's part of absolutely. how you get to be so good. So then you decide to do this. <laughs> like, you know, like, this, this seems like fun. Uh, yeah. What's the step next? Because obviously you have to transcribe how many instrument do you know how many players were on each tune in the Ellington band? Um, I don't remember something like 15. Or, um, <laughs> um, yeah, it was an interesting, you know, cause there's lots of ways it could have taken like lots of directions. We could have taken this and, and, and sometimes we like to try and reduce things to the four of us. And, and that's what we'll do on, uh, on this tour mostly. Um, is render these with just the, the four of us in the band but then w with the with the possibilities available you know overdubbing and bringing in other people in the studio it was 
one appealing aspect was trying to see, to see what it would sound like if a big band was just mandolins and fiddles. Uh, and, and, you know, would that work? That was kind of a open question. Um, so yeah. And then even, even then after that, you start to say, well, how many of these specific voicings that Billy Strayhorn and Duke Ellington, uh, wrote for their band, how many of those can we maintain? And, which ones are the most important? Because we really couldn't convey everything, but just trying to say this this uh, moment or this harmony is is really important, and we got to try and figure out a way to convey that. But yeah, you're right. That like the process was so laborious because I don't know if you ever looked at an orchestral uh, score, but it everything is written in different key signatures, and you got to transpose. It's just Man, it, I, I, <laughs> it, I, we were way, I was way in over my head with that, but then gradually, gradually figured out systems and gradually figured that out. Wow. So did you sit down with the, the scores for like every one of these songs? And is that how you kind of started out? Yeah, both. I mean, like I started listening and, 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 and trying to uh, write down the key aspects and, and listening a lot, listening. But then, you know, trying to figure out exactly how how some of these chords are voiced um there were there's some scores you can find for for the ellington strayhorn arrangements that were hugely helpful of course and then uh to varying degrees within the band um people took liberties from you know the duke ellington thing for anybody who isn't familiar uh it it in in the transla translation from the ellington or from the uh tchaikovsky to the ellington the Ellington band and Billy Strayhorn took a lot of liberties and really made it suited their style and changed sometimes, uh, um, you know, a feel or put things in four, four that had been in three, four or vice versa. And, and then we felt emboldened and, and, and like we gave ourselves permission to take as many liberties as we wanted as well. So some of these are, are, are pretty uh, abstracted from the Ellington versions. Before we start recording, I told you like the first listen to me was just like, like pure joy of like looking forward to listening to this album and like literally waiting for the a time. Like I I had a copy of it from you and I waited until you know like the last moment because I really wanted to find a time where I could sit down and enjoy it and not have yeah, you know not cool. listen to it while I was driving or you know. Sure. And um, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so gorgeous sounding. And then the second listen was kind of like bouncing between the Ellington and the, uh, and your version and thinking like, oh, how in the heck do you even do this? <laughs> like my mind was more blown than anything of like that, the aspect of how big of a project this is. And you guys don't necessarily live close together. Right. Yeah. We had some rehearsals in New York where Aiden and, uh, Grant Gordy live. Um, so Daryl and I traveled down there for a rehearsal and then, and then, you know, there's a lot you can do, uh, exchanging scores and, I mean, I was very lucky. the The skill sets that Grant, Aiden, and Daryl all bring to the band, I really leaned on those because they have um, such tremendous deep backgrounds with other things that I don't have. So it was able. To, we were kind of able to be that for each other over the course of working on this uh, in our respective homes um, in, in advance of the recording. When you, when you mentioned like being emboldened to to kind of take a different path or, or put your own feel on it. What's the one that you think you guys took the biggest risk on? And then what's the one you would say maybe is the closest to the recording? Well, um, the one that's called, uh, the peanut brittle parade is probably the closest to, um, the Ellen conversion maybe. 
that that or overture i think the two of those are, are, are pretty close Although, um, I believe I changed at the end of the uh, peanut. Uh, pea shooter? Pea shooter. Did I say the wrong title? I think so. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, man. We like As somebody who knows the Duke Ellington Project, I already would have noticed, with them, they, they changed the titles from the Tchaikovsky into their, um, into their version. So a lot of those, they're have these playful titles that are sort of alluding to the Tchaikovsky and we figured what the heck why not we can continue those with our project but you know what it it all throws me off I can't even remember the title of some of these tunes <laughs> 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 but yeah you're right the uh, the pea shooter parade is the one that's closest to the Ellington I think except for that on the uh, on the back half of that arrangement, they went. I can't remember what key they went to, and I decided I wanted to put it into a different key, you know, to serve what works well on the fiddle, basically, and 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 some range considerations. Like there's some things we couldn't do on some of these um, instruments. And then the what? What's the weirdest one? Um, I think, I think Yangtze Dottle would probably qualify. I think Grant Grant took a um, went for a really abstracted relationship with um, what would be, what was called the danced chinoisois. I think is what it was called on the Ellington. And then it became, in Grant's rendering, the Yangtze Dottle. going to ask you that was you mentioned playfulness and one of the things the first thing i noticed is like i believe it was the the pea shooter parade it was where there's um after one of grant's licks that somebody you can hear somebody be like say like whoo or you know i think that's daryl i think you can hear daryl in there yeah yeah and there's a couple tracks i think at least one other track where i noticed like you can you know hear somebody do that and i'm like that's that's awesome man again that just adds to the vibe so many people are worried about stuff you know, sterile and, 
and um, this doesn't this doesn't feel that way at all. It is so playful. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And then the titles, the titles. That's they're great. Yeah, we we recorded this in a way we've never done before, which is all four of us were in the same room, sitting in a circle, uh, and you know it was in previous projects. I didn't want to surrender um, the isolation that that you get in some other studios um, because there's obviously that idea that oops i made that one mistake let's fix that one note and you can do that when you're isolated but we really couldn't do that here and i I, kind of approached it with some you know level of wariness but actually i think that being in that room and and laughing together and, and 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 it all worked and and just approaching it with faith was really important how many rehearsals like would you say, you know, it could have been multiple, but like serious rehearsals, would you say you guys did before you went into the studio to attempt this? Not very many. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, it's just kind of getting to know. We had a, the, I have to say, the Freshgrass Foundation um, gave us a grant to support this project. And, and that was instrumental. And then they also gave us access to this uh um, beautiful studio they have it up there on the uh, campus at the Mass Mocha. So we had more time in the studio than than I've ever had to make a record, which wasn't extravagant, but it was maybe five or six days, and that kind of allowed us to be a little bit more patient with uh, getting to know these arrangements and putting them together, and then recording them. Whereas, like you know, when we made Yanda, we did that in two days, I think. Wow. <laughs> because of some scheduling miscommunications, we really had a tight schedule. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, I can only be here for two days. Did I mention that? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Whoops. So and so is flying out. Okay, I guess that's all the time we get. <laughs> <laughs> Man, oh my gosh. So, who did did you guys? I mean, it sounds like you did a, a, a like a fair share of like sending the. Uh, the workout to everybody, but it seems like you also had a pretty big hand in, in a lot of the actual charting out of these tunes. You know, how, how long would you say you worked on this? I started working in August of 22 on trying to like learn the two tunes that were my responsibility, um, which was the sugar plum fairy and the March. Um, and I was not efficient and I didn't, obviously I, there was other things going on at the same time, but I worked, Basically, until we recorded in March of twenty, this year, twenty-three. Wow! Oh my gosh, that's amazing. It was, it was very inefficient. I have to tell you, Daniel. <laughs> I would not <laughs> recommend it. <laughs> there has got to be a better way, but that's the way that I was able to cobble it together here with my skills. Yeah, you're. Such a busy guy, though. I mean, you have multiple courses on on Peghead Nation. You you're at Berkeley, you know, yeah, yeah. teaching at Berkeley. You're playing in multiple bands. You're traveling all over the place. You know the was, fact that yeah. the fact that a project like this can that can even take shape in that little bit of time blows my mind. Yeah, it was just one of these things that we're all aware of of, and we're just chipping away at whenever we, you know, had an afternoon at home that was unspoken for. At least that's how it was for me. It's like, and that's kind of how these projects take shape. Like, you know, I, I know that I want to make another record and uh, before too long, and and I just got to commit to X number of afternoons that I can carve out. And 
and in some ways that's like a, a kind of a beautiful through line. It's like having a, like a really long book that you're reading for months. It's sort of that colors that whole part of the year in a, in a beautiful way. When you get in the studio, did you have like a, a way that you knew you wanted to record them? Did you record it front to back or did you, had you guys talked about like, okay, let's start here and then work our way to. Yeah, we started with, for some reason, Sugar Plum Fairy, which became Sugar, Sugar Rum, spare me. Um, <laughs> for some reason that felt like the most accessible one. That one and uh, the, uh, I think it's called the Russian dance. And then it became, uh, what did it become? <laughs> Man, this is what happens when you change titles for everything. Was it um, um, Arabian dance, the 100% or, um, or Russian fox chase? The Russian Russian fox chase, which I really wanted to call the Crimea of the century. But that was me. <laughs> <laughs> accessible in a different way because it's basically like the way the way Daryl heard that one the way he heard it was well yeah that's a bluegrass tune yeah no big deal so in that way um I think that was a nice entry point even though it's got this other kind of funny like um like moments where it's definitely not bluegrass um that one felt accessible and we started with that one actually I think what was the hardest one to nail down I think the one, there's a funny one that um, anybody who knows the Nutcracker well or the Ellington version will, there'll be a, one tune that would leap out, uh, you know, like part of the joy of listening to the Ellington thing for me was like gradually realizing, oh, this is that melody. And, and maybe not instantly knowing that and, and starting to see the connections. And and then when and if somebody listens to Shavatsky's That'll be a harder one to connect because what it is is there's a couple of tiny little melodies, maybe one measure or less that Daryl um, heard when he went to see the Nutcracker, maybe this time last year. He just saw it as like these three melodies, maybe we can combine them and make a new dog tune uh, out of it. And, you know, <laughs> Daryl knows Daryl knows the dog music. So that was pretty cool to see 
that he saw that as that possibility. But that one was hard because it was uh, it was just it was just not familiar, and it took a while to get to know. And it, it, the A part's in five, and that's not a particularly great strength of mine. So that's um, just like. I think some of these things, like, they're harder to play until you hear what they're supposed to sound like. But, And now when we go to do the gig, we have the recording, which helps us. But before you have in your head what it's going to sound like, it's it's a little hard. It's a lot harder. You guys did that uh, live show, too. Was it for Freshgrass where you had, like, Dan Bowie was there and a few other players? Yeah, we had – It was, that was really special, and, and uh, it was really cool. I, we We – got a crew of Berkeley students to play with us and, and did a couple of warm up private gigs. And then, and then, yeah, I had a beautiful concert, Dan Bowie, uh, Leo Austin, Milik and Caleb Swan were the mandolin, what the quote unquote mandolin horn section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was it? What's it like? You know, you guys are getting ready to take this, the show on the road, you know, have you guys had time besides that to to woodshed together and play yet or a a little bit we did a tour in 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 the midwest in october and we added a couple of the tunes um uh on that tour and then and then next tuesday we're right out of the gate we're going to be doing the whole thing so we're all all doing our prep here at our various homes there's not going to be a lot of time to rehearse on that one but i think that's a kind of the strength of that band is like we're all on our toes and and we're all you know, flexibility is key with that band, and and we're we're good at, um, you know, being each other's safety net in that way when things change. Man, one of the things I really really love is how well one there's parts where I you know it almost you can't even tell if it's Aiden or Daryl at first. Oh uh, yeah, which I think is really cool, especially when one or the other comes in. You're like, oh wow, <laughs> that's right. You know, but then um, like the uh, like the percussive things he does at the where he covers basically what's a drum intro, and um, or a percussion intro, and he oh covers, yeah uh, covers it on the bass. And I'm just like, God dang it, man, that's so clever. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, and and that's I mean, again, like I just feel so privileged working with these three musicians because. They, I, I have such so many opportunities to learn, and I think the one you're thinking of might have been the drum part on the begin of, beginning of what Ellington called uh, "Sugar Rum Cherries." And and when we went to record it, Daryl was like, "Oh, here, what if we do this little melody?" And I was like, "Where does that come from?" <laughs> and then like, "What?" Because I had been, man, I've been listening hard, you know. He's like, "Well, that's kind of what the drum sounds like," and and he was hearing the drum as playing a little melody, and. You go back and listen, and you can. It's like, wow, okay, cool. That's awesome. I didn't hear that, but that's cool to to have that window. Yeah, I actually that was I think the first one when I was like, well, actually, I take that back. The first one I went back and listened to was Overture. I'm like, uh, wow, yeah. man, this is this is crazy. You know, it's just <laughs> like I this is this is it. You know, and and then um, so then I was like, oh, how did they do the uh, what was the one that started with the drums? I'm like, and then I went and A B did again. I'm like, geez, that's. That's it. That's how cl- how cool, Daryl, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's a privilege getting to, to 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 see what I can learn from them. How did you guys go about? Like, was it the person who was in charge of the song titled them, or did you all just sit down and be like? Yeah, there's a there's an aspect of that. Like, you know, each of us took at least two tunes. I think Daryl did three, but but you know nominally each of us you know kind of took a leadership role on those and musically and then also with 
the titles, but also driving around and, and just shooting the, shooting the breeze with, um, the other fellas, like, I don't know, maybe it just, maybe this is a little vignette into how boring touring can be, <laughs> but we kicked around so many titles, just, just so many, just brainstorming, just whatever silly titles we can come up with for each of these. So like in, in some of them, it was definitely a group effort. If you had to pick one of these tunes to play to Duke Ellington, you know, obviously we can't do that, but you know, you guys obviously put a lot of work into this project. You know, which one of these is one that you'd be like, this is to me, uh, all this work, I can sum it up in one track here. Well, I'm really proud of, uh, even though I forgot the title, <laughs> I'm really proud of the, uh, peace shooter parade just because it's, it's some, it feels like a interesting thing that, especially it's as a mandolin player, I just haven't heard things like that, um, with mandolins doing it. And so I, I think that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, I think there's other things that feel more individually like that re and to represent us as individuals. Like some of the other tunes are more personal to us as a band. So that could be another perspective. That one feels like trying to see how close we could get to the Ellington band, which obviously is a, you know, huge chasm. It's horns and volume and all that stuff. It's different, but. Yeah. And yeah, it's dynamics in the instruments and, and such, this is still such a dynamic album. You know, it, oh, good. yeah, it, it, but yeah, it's interesting when you say that, when you think of it with the range of dynamics that the instruments that are, you have on this album, all acoustic compared to, you know, <laughs> horns, you know? Yeah, just like the sheer power of, of, of a big band. It's just, un, you know, ir, 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 un, impossible to replicate with mandolins, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and well, it's also four people doing 15 people's. That's right. Well, <laughs> work. Yeah. You guys have blown my mind. It's it's the the sky's the limit with this band, which is beautiful to me. Thanks, Daniel. That's very kind, man. What's so? What's next for? Is there? Has Mr. Sun decided to tackle another another project yet, or are you guys are you guys well, just like this is good for right now? You know, we're not a very we're not a plan heavy band, um, but I think the sort of uh, consensus amongst us seems to be that we're kind of overdue after all this work and and focusing on this. We're overdue for a you know a more normal Mister Sun record like our new tunes or our or our other adaptations of other tunes that like, I think like we had done before this project, I think we're overdue for something like that. And like all of us have been writing a lot and kind of accumulating options for the next, for the next record. So what's, what's, what are the plans for Joe K Walsh in the next, in the next year? Once 2024 is coming up here, do you have like some projects you're yeah. looking forward to? Do you, you know, what's, what's next year? It look seems like, like it, it, it seems like the gear mandolin ensemble is going to come out of retirement. Um, and be a little active next year, which I'm looking forward to. Um, and got some playing to do with a beautiful piano player, Jed Wilson, and this tremendous fiddle player, Ella Jordan. We just started a band and been really enjoying those concerts and playing with them. They're such beautiful musicians and listeners and really soulful, really uh, amazing collaborators. So that, that there and 
Oh, I got some gigs with Flinter, man. I'm really excited about playing with Flinter. Oh, no way. Where are you guys playing? We got a couple of gigs in New England in, in January. Just duo. Oh, wow, that's going to be awesome, man. I, I love that guy. He's so he's so inspiring to me, and I, I just pinch myself that we get to do this. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's... Huh. January. Oh. <laughs> that was a slow January. I'd love to see that. That'd be incredible. Yeah, well, yeah, Maine's lovely in January. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm trying to do? Here's another project that's interesting to me. I, I, I'm, I think I'm going to meet Ethan Satiwan and I have been scheming about starting a community mandolin orchestra for a month in February. And and really, like, just trying to have a way to bring together the mandolin players in the Portland, the great Portland scene and, and just rehearse. It, it just seems like we could make some nice music and bring the community together and have like a social event in these, what's really kind of like a dark sort of bleak month depending on how things are going you know so so that's what we're hoping to do is like start a little mandolin ensemble for a month and then put on a concert around the beginning of march oh that's beautiful well northeast northeast listeners pay attention keep your keep your ears open yeah come on up yeah dude this is it's always so great to talk to you and likewise likewise one of the things i really love about talking with you is well i don't have your playing ability i i i feel like a kinship in the in the want to do things a little bit differently than what our instruments might be uh, pigeon pigeonholed as. You know what I mean? Like it's just like like you play such soulful, soulful stuff, but you also Thanks, can play man. the grassy stuff just like it needs to be played. And and I admire the and and, and you play such great jazz stuff. Like you just you tackle a lot of different genres of music, which is really inspiring to me and, and keeps my mind open and the possibility to this instrument, endless feeling. So I really appreciate that. Thanks, man. That means a lot. I, I, I appreciate hearing that. I, I, I don't know. I like that. If you, maybe you watched that Matt Glazer keynote at IBMA. Um, and I think the key thing he was trying to convey is trying to like, display the, the way the overlap and the handoff from jazz to bluegrass or swing to bluegrass and vice versa and really arguing you know it's just music and i and i definitely i feel that way like i so i i, I like learning stuff and i and i'm willing to uh, take a risk and and uh, allow myself to sound bad for months and years and on end <laughs> in order to get better <laughs> Well, dude, congratulations again on a beautiful, another beautiful release. And um, man, safe travels on, on this tour coming up here. And yeah, I wish I was somewhere near some of these cities. But if any of the listeners are, you got to go and see this live. I can't imagine what it's going to be like. Yeah, yeah. We'll be in, in New England uh, in the first week of December and then California for the second week. Nice. Awesome. Well, dude, thank you so much. Oh, is there any, uh, well, you stopped drinking beers. Any drinks, any, any drinks you're drinking or any new, uh, 10 minute of the day ideas that you've, uh, you know, um, what I'm working on when I have time to practice is, uh, trying to force myself to have better time feel, um, through the metronome and like finding different ways to use their metronome. And then there's these cool apps. Time guru is, is my favorite. Um, and that's there's these ways you can tweak the information you receive from the metronome. And like, for example, like, let's say I having a metronome click at once a measure 
and then you can program it to randomly delete a note, you know, maybe the fourth measure or the ninth measure or something like that. And then it sort of forces you to hear more and rely on yourself and, and, uh, you know, lean on, develop really an in, a better internal sense of things. And, and obviously, you know, trying to be able to maintain the feel with less and less information. That's a, that's a way of um, describing what I'm practicing. Yeah. And then, and then any drinks or anything, any, uh, well, the bitter Mai Tai is always good. Yeah. I don't know if you had that, but that's a, that's a nice, uh, really uh, strange rum, the Smith, Smith and Cross rum. That's sort of like, uh, I describe it as tasting like gasoline, but good. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's some really strange, strange rum, but I dig it. That's cool. And you're a, you're, great drinker you made me a sazerac when i was up there that was fantastic oh yeah man sazerac's great <laughs> so <laughs> well cool man well joe thanks for taking the time as always buddy i really truly appreciate it likewise thank you for making this and for what you do for the mandolin community we all appreciate it all right there you have it joe k walsh the new mr sun album is out today december 1st it's on all the platforms I highly recommend you go out and buy it. And also there's a link in the description to buy those nutcracker ornaments uh, in the shape of the fellas and Mr. Sun as well. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Everybody have a great week. Cheers, everybody.